to the uh, to the word in, as found in Romans. I'm going to be reading from Romans six. <clears throat> I'll read verses one through eighteen. Romans chapter six. This being the word of God, let us hear it, and hear it well. Beginning Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we? That are dead to sin live any longer therein. Know ye not? That so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more, death hath no more dominion over him, For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid, know ye not, that to whom ye yield yourselves, servants to obey, his servants you are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanks that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. May the Lord bless the reading of his most sacred word. (laughs) Let us pray once again. Heavenly Lord, we are a blessed people, a blessed people indeed, not because we deserve it above any other, but because thou has made it so through thy amazing grace operating within us, the same grace 
Well, the same power that raised Christ from the dead raised us to newness of life, as the Apostle says here, and has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, in principle, but to come in fullness of glory. And we thank thee for all that thou hast done for us. Lord Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. I'm going to do something a little different today, and that is I am going to go through uh, the form of baptism that's reformed, that's in our Book of Order, uh, where it picks up on several scriptures and uh, also mainly in Romans 6. And I'm going to go through the stories preparing us, so I'm, I'm not going to have to say as much. We'll almost be ready to have the parents uh, take the, make, uh, give the vows when, uh, when I'm finished. Because I want to show you something that uh, I've, I've gone through this with the uh, Christian Studies Group, in the Christian Studies Group, about the order of worship. And the point of view that we have learned, it's not only in the Reformed uh, camp uh, that uh, this understanding is, although it's mainly there, but maybe many evangelicals as well know it, that, that worship is a dialogue. That's the essence of worship. God dialoguing with his people, his people responding. And if you look at the order of worship, you'll see that when we have, uh, after the announcements, and that we have the call to worship, that's a call from the Word of God to worship. And uh, we respond by singing a hymn that's based on that scripture, often, most of the time. Uh, so there's sort of that call, this God speaking to us, and then we responding to God. Uh, in that call. Then we have the salutation, the greeting, and the invocation for God's blessing. So he, he, he blesses us, he salutes us, we salute him, and then we invoke his blessing, we respond. He speaks and we respond in that salutation, invocation. We continue to do responsive reading. God speaks in his word, we respond by reading his word back to him. He speaks in his word, we respond with his word. Uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith, the question and the answer. Then we have the congregational prayer where we offer up to God our our prayer uh, using his own word. Oftentimes what I do is I read from the word of God first and respond to that word in my prayer. And then at the end of that prayer, the congregation joins in singing, hear us now, O Lord, <coughs> hear our prayer, O Lord. Uh, responding, of course, then to the in the tithes and offerings that we bring in the hymn. Then the scriptures read, right? And we hear from the scripture, and we hear God through the scripture reading and through the sermon. And then we respond after that sermon with an appropriate hymn. And then we're given the best. So you see this throughout the whole worship service. This is not an accent. This is not just a tradition. This is what worship is supposed to be. A dialoguing between God and his people. God gives a message in his word, and we respond to that word. 
and uh, in our prayers, with our prayers and our hymns. Well, now, we have as part of our worship this morning, it's not always a part of our worship, but this morning it is, baptism. And baptism is God speaking to us. There's a dialogue in baptism as well. God speaks to us through baptism. What it means, what it's saying. And we respond to what baptism is. What it means, what God is saying. And we respond in an appropriate fashion. So, I just wanted to go that way by way of introduction to introduce the question, well then, what is the symbol of baptism saying? What is God saying through the symbol of baptism? There are the symbols of the Lord's Supper. He's saying some, some similar things, but different things as well. But he's saying certain things in the symbol of baptism. And we need to respond appropriately. Now, the first thing that the form of worship in our book, but also in other Reformed churches as well, gives is that uh, baptism is a, uh, a symbol of washing. Right? We are washed. And for example, in Acts 22.16, Ananias, after Paul is sort of intercepted by the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, and he's, he's uh, given a, a witness by Jesus himself and brought to the faith. Ananias tells Paul that baptism is a symbol in which God declares to you, Paul, the washing away of your sins. And that's in Acts 22.16. You can read that exchange if you want later on. But that's what baptism symbolizes. That's what God is telling us through the symbol of baptism that he's given to the church and placed in worship. He's saying, I wash you. It's a spiritual washing. Now, why is that? Well, you know from your own experiences, and perhaps you don't think of it this way or interpret it this way, but when you eat bad foods or when you eat too much, your body becomes toxic. It be, it, it's, it's slightly poisoned and toxins have to be released from your body. And the more you eat bad foods and the more you just eat, 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 the more toxic you become. And that's part of the reason why people get sick. Because they're toxic, they're, they're slightly poisoned. Well, sin has sort of made your soul and my soul and our, the, the soul of our child and children toxic. They're poisoned. The soul is poisoned. It's made it in a word, in another way of saying it, dirty. We are dirty people before God. Filthy dirty because of our sin. And what baptism shows us, what it symbolizes, is that God, through Jesus Christ, is washing away all that dirt. He's cleansing us from all those toxins and poisons, the poisons of sin, and making us clean again before Him, so that we are we, we become healthy in our soul uh, before Him. <clears throat> So that's what one of the things that baptism is saying to us, that we're washed, uh, washed from all our sin. Now that's a twofold washing. That's a twofold washing that comes from the scripture, of course. I'm not just making this up. 
This is uh, this has uh, been known for centuries, uh, even a millennium, that uh, when we are washed, we are washed, uh, cleansed in two ways. We're cleansed from sin's guilt, and we're cleansed from sin's power. Well, what's that mean? Okay. Well, from a legal point of view, we are all guilty before God. He's the judge before his tribunal, his judgment seat. We are guilty because of our sin. God says through his washing that he's going to wash away all that guilt so that now when you stand before me, you are declared by him as he looks to you. Not guilty. That's the idea of justification. That because of the righteousness declared by God, sort of reckoned to you by Jesus Christ's righteousness, Jesus Christ's righteousness is declared to you. You are not guilty. I have cleansed you. I have washed you from all of sin's guilt, all the guilt of sin. That's a wonderful washing indeed. But there's more to it than that. When God says that you are, that I am washing you from your sin, he's also saying I'm washing you from the power of sin. And that's where we see, that's what we see in Romans chapter 6, for example, where he says in in chapter 6 that, Know ye not, in verse 3, that so many of you as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Because baptism is telling us, not only has I cleansed you from the guilt of sin, but now you have risen with Christ to a new life. To a new life. You are to walk in newness of life. That is sanctification. I am making you holy. And so baptism is a symbol teaching us not only are we justified, not only are we free and washed from sin's guilt, but we're also washed and sanctified, being sanctified and made holy through him. A question uh, 70 in the Heidelberg Catechism asks, well, uh, what is it to be washed? And the answer the catechism gives is it is to receive of God the remission, right? The pardoning, the declaration of the clearing away of the penalties of sin freely for the sake of Christ's blood, which he shed for us by his sacrifice upon the cross. That's justification. And also to be renewed by the Holy Ghost and sanctified to be members of Christ, that so we may more and more die unto sin and lead holy and unblameable lives. That's sanctification. 
baptism, the symbol of baptism given by God to his church to be placed in worship is telling us all of that washed from the guilt of sin, washed from the power of sin. There are two aspects to sanctification. John Murray points out definitive sanctification and progressive sanctification. In Romans 5 and 6, we're talking about definitive sanctification. We are separated from We're no longer under the dominion of sin. That's definitive sanctification. It's a one-time act. That's a one-time act. But then we progress in holiness the days of our life, in walking in newness of life. That's progressive sanctification. But both are sanctification. Uh, and we are uh, blessed indeed. So that's uh, one or two of the things immediately, the washing away of, uh, of our sins before God, because we have become dirty, filthy, polluted, sin-sick soul sinners. We have to have some someone wash that away so that we can come before God. And that's what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, when he talks about that. And, and the justification aspect of sanctification, for example, comes from Acts 2, verse 38, where, you know, Peter tells them that you are to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission, the pardoning. Of the sins. That's justification. So both those things are involved in, uh, in sanctification, in uh, baptism. Now, Paul, as you see here in chapter 6 at the very beginning, is dealing with an objection. What shall we say? He then, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You see, because if we're saved by grace, right, through faith in Jesus Christ, grace alone, then why do we have to care about sin, about our behavior? And God, uh, through the Apostle Paul, says, God forbid that you think that way, that because we are saved by grace, we can therefore live like demons or devils. God forbid, he says, and he says it again, that, uh, you know, the, the, the argument is that let us therefore Sin, because, you know, grace is so amazing, and the more sin, the more grace. Well, let's just sin that grace may abound. And Paul says once again, God forbid to think like that. That is not the way to think righteous before our God. The other thing we need to note about this in baptism is that God is speaking to us. God is telling us, I am washing. This is not something that we have invented. It's not something we made up here for the church of Jesus Christ to you know, put sacraments in the church so that people have to come to church in order to get the sacrament. No! This is what God says baptism is. And then we need to respond to that. And we'll talk about that response in, in a moment. <clears throat> But there's more to it than that. There's more to the symbol of baptism that God has given and placed in his church as an act of worship to dialogue with God. His people dialoguing with him through baptism, through the sacrament of baptism. And that is <clears throat> that he, uh, he speaks to us about regeneration. 
right? Being born again, being regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see that in uh, in Titus, for example, <clears throat> when he says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, uh, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's a washing. Once again, the washing is not only just talking about justification or speaking to the idea of justification, just as if you have never sinned in the sight of God because of the blood of righteous, uh, the righteous blood of Jesus Christ, but also you have been sanctified, just like you've been buried with Christ in, in baptism. You have also been risen with Christ in, uh, in in newness of life, and so you walk in newness of life, in holiness, and sanctified living. And then not only that, but you're regenerated. You've been born again. That's the symbol of baptism is speaking to us. In other words, it's God speaking. So God speaking to us. As I am speaking to you for him. You've been regenerated. You've been born again. That's what baptism is, is, is showing. All of this speaks to the fact that we have been united to God through faith in Jesus Christ, being united to God, we are justified, we are sanctified, we are regenerated, and of course, in the future to come, we are glorified. This is the speech of baptism. And so we must hear God speak to us all of these things through the symbol of baptism. I don't know if you're thinking about all those things when you see a baptism. You know, we're thinking about the baby or the adult or whomever or the, you know, the profession that the person is making or whatever. But it, the, the point of baptism, the first thing is that God speaks to us in this way, that I have washed you so that you're pure. I have washed you so that you're holy. I have washed you so that you're born again. I have washed you so that you're united to me through union with Christ, through communion with Christ. God speaking to us. Please remember, this is all God's word. He is speaking to us in the symbol of baptism. All these things. <clears throat> and that's basically what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 6. And in the verses I have chosen here, know ye not that many of you who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, as you've been buried with him through baptism unto death, like Christ was raised uh, from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. It's what, what in another way of saying things, is uh, we are <clears throat> legally and, and actually united to God, to Jesus Christ. These are the benefits of being united to God, that we are justified, sanctified, and that we are born again. And as a, one author put it, is as though we were personally being 
buried for our sin and being raised in new life when Christ was being buried for our sins and raised in new life. That's what baptism is is teaching us, is telling us. And this is wonderful. Now, having heard all that, what's our response? And you see, we have a form in our, you know, we we call it the Book of Order. The others... Uh, have also book of order, and they and they point all this out. You know, so, so for example, if I turn to uh, to this to this book and I read to you uh, from it, you'll hear all this sort of in capsule form. As you know, you, we introduce uh, the sacrament of baptism. Baptism is a sacrament ordained by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a sign and seal of the inclusion of the person who was baptized in the covenant of grace, teaching that we and our children are conceived and born in sin. We're dirty, filthy sinners. Just as I pointed out before. And, uh, and seals onto us the remission of all our sins, justification, and the bestowal of all the gifts of salvation through union with Christ. You know, it, it picks up on all of, of what I just said in these few lines. And it goes on to, to talk about some more being uh, washed and renewed and being recommitted, uh, uh, committed to the ways of God through his word. And so when we hear all this and what it means, what the symbol of baptism means, we need to respond to it. And how best to respond to it? Well, we we pray, like I will pray after I finish speaking to you these words, I will pray that the Lord bless them to us, bless our hearts for these things. And then, then we also invite the person up to make vow. In the case of an infant, parents make the vows. They they give the vows for the sake of their children to honor them in the days of head. So that's our response to it. After that, there's a prayer that's prayed, and there's a song that's sung that's appropriate. There's that, see, the dialogue of baptism. After God has told us these things about his washing us uh, this way and regenerating us and uniting us to him through fa- uh, faith in Jesus Christ, we respond. We respond by making vows. By baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Then we pray. Then we sing a song appropriate, a hymn appropriate to it. So there's again, the dialogue of baptism is what I'm talking about to you this, uh, with you this morning. Worship is dialogue. God is speaking, his people responding. Baptism, there's a dialogue in baptism. God speaks to us. He tells us what the symbol means, and we respond. We respond by giving vows, by praying, by baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so now we are ready. 
almost, um, just hold on. <laughs> uh, we, we, are, we are ready to have the parents come up and, uh, and make the vows. Uh, I'm going to be asking uh, three, but before I do, I want to pray and I want to, uh, to ask you some things, a couple of things. So let's first pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we, we know that you have uh, given us a worship and you have given us signs like a baptism here, the water of baptism. You've given us the supper as well to communicate to us certain things. And in worship, we are to respond. You are to speak to us and we are to respond. And we are responding this morning in this way, in prayer. And we're asking, Lord, that you, you would be honored in the baptism of this uh, child about to, uh, to take place. And we look forward uh, to your blessing in the days of head upon the family, uh, the Nagel family, and in particular upon their son, <clears throat> Noah. And we ask this in your name. Amen.